Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2. Today, I talk about Chi, Ki, or Tai Chi. I have a great interview. Today on the show, we have Mr. Bill Douglas. And Bill has written several books about Tai Chi and organized World Tai Chi Day. For the question of today, I have Bill answer a question about using Tai Chi as a gateway for spiritual development. Coming up on your favorite podcast show, Cup of Tao. Starting right now. You're listening to Cup of Tao with your host, Chris L. McClish. Chris is a man with many roles, many journeys, and one spirit. Hello, welcome to the show today. As usual, I hope you're having a good week. Today is a special episode. It's going to be a bit long, but it's going to be worth it. Today we have a special guest on the show. Bill is going to be joining us via his cell phone from my Skype, so I apologize in advance of any audio issues. Now for an introduction. William Douglas, or Bill, is the author of several best-selling Tai Chi and Qigong meditation books published worldwide in several languages. He's the founder of the World Tai Chi and Qigong Day, which is a widely recognized global health and a healing event that celebrates annually around the world. Bill is one of the world's most foremost experts on Tai Chi as a mind-body healing technology. He was selected as the 2009 inductee to the World Internal Arts Hall of Fame in New York, and he's the recipient of the Media Excellence in Qigong Award from the World Congress on Qigong in San Francisco. He's also received the Extraordinary Service in the Field of Qigong Award from the National Qigong Association. He has presented worldwide and has outlined his journey in his books. He has been commissioned to teach Tai Chi for many of the world's largest health institutions and world's largest corporations. He was the source for articles in Prevention Magazine on Tai Chi, and his programs have been used in hospitals. He has also produced a DVD that has been in the homes of patients and professionals across the United States. He has also made many appearances on TV and media as a resource. Welcome to the show, Bill Douglas. Thank you, Chris. I've really been looking forward to it. I was so excited to hear about the work that you've been doing, expanding awareness of Taoism, and uh, and especially excited when I found out that you were local. Well, as you know, this is an episode on Qi, which I hope to get some valuable information from you about. But first, I'd like to ask you, um, since this overall podcast is about Taoism, tell me some of your experiences. I know you've had experience with Taoist temples, and, and just tell me some of your experiences with Taoism. Yeah, uh, well, I, uh, when I first started learning Tai Chi and Qigong, that was my first exposure to Eastern concepts, and, uh, and I was just so uh, amazed by, uh, you know, what I experienced in Tai Chi and Qigong that I was just, I was voraciously hungry to understand more. And uh, I think it was, I think it was my Tai Chi teacher that originally pointed me towards the Tao Te Ching, you know, the uh, Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching. And, uh, and when I first started reading it, uh, it was like I was trying to make uh, linear sense of it, you know, the way that we learned things in school. Yeah. And, uh, and it almost gave me a headache, you know, trying to do that. And then uh, at some point, you know, I think it was a combination of my Tai Chi and Qigong practice and then also, you know, sticking with the Tao Te Ching. 
And over time, I started to realize that uh, that it it wasn't something that you grasp on that level. It's kind of like you, it's kind of like as you're reading the 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 lines, you let yourself uh, kind of just flow on the waves of uh, experience and sensation that Lao Tzu was trying to share. And uh, at that point, uh, uh, it took on a whole a whole new uh, you know way of seeing the world. Uh, for me and, and the way of seeing myself in the world. And, uh, and then over the years, uh, I, uh, uh, you know, I was trying to make sense of everything that was happening. And I started becoming aware of a lot of emerging uh, science uh, on, you know, quantum physics and the quantum field. This awareness of uh, uh, the science of uh, the energetic nature of the universe was really exciting for me because, uh, you know, I realized that, uh, you know, what Lao Tzu and Tao Te Ching were talking about were, you know, the energetic nature of the universe and how everything's connected. Yes. And, uh, you know, and all that, all that's reflected in, in, uh, you know, the, the quantum, uh, you know, the quantum field, quantum science and, uh, subatomic physics. And, you know, and then there's, uh, uh research on entangle quantum entanglement, uh, you know, and, and the concept of Taoism is that everything's connected, and, and I guess all these things overlap. And uh, so it really it it was a very exciting process to go through over these several decades of experience. And you visited a Tai Chi temple, or you had some experiences there. Me and my wife both started studying Tai Chi together in our early twenties in California. Yes, and. Uh, uh, we uh, we uh, we had just gotten married uh, not too long before that, and so we were going to go back to Hong Kong so that I could meet Angie's family. And uh, so I was working really hard uh, before we went to Hong Kong uh, to uh, complete my uh, Guangping Yang style Tai Chi long form because I wanted to impress my mother-in-law because she had done Tai Chi uh, when Angie was a little girl. She talked about how she'd done Tai Chi with her mom. Got to impress the in laws. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and I put all that work into it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you want to show it off a little bit, and uh, so yeah. So I was I was doing a lot of Tai Chi and Qigong, and that trip to Hong Kong that that really that was a mind exploder. Uh, I mean, on a lot of different levels, and I'll share a couple of experiences with you. But uh, sure. so anyway, we, uh, when we got to Hong Kong, um, I. Uh, uh, started uh, several things happened that kind of set everything up one thing that happened was i had never traveled internationally before and i didn't understand what jet lag was mm -hmm. and it hit me like a sledgehammer and uh, uh when we got to hong kong i actually slept for about 30 hours <laughs> i slept through this banquet that my mother-in-law made with crab and lobster and everything and they couldn't wake me up and uh, when i did wake up then what then what happened was uh i uh, i would wake up at three o'clock in the morning every every night and uh the first night mm -hmm. i just tossed ferns all night but then the next night i thought you know i might as well my uh, my in-laws had a really they, they weren't wealthy people they were you know working class people but they were fortunate enough to have gotten a home up on the hills overlooking hong kong and so uh, mm -hmm. angie's uh, uh, mom actually had a garden outside of her house and so I started going, and it was overlooking all the skyscrapers and stuff. But it but it seemed like you were in nature when you were in their garden. Mm -hmm. And so I just went out there, and I just I, you know I just spend you know two three 
you know, three and a half hours uh, medit, uh, you know, doing doing sitting qigong, neigong meditation, energy meditation, mm-hmm. and also um, moving qigong and tai chi. And so I had never I had never been that committed, you know, to spend you know you know three three or more hours every day every morning doing this. Mm-hmm. And uh, and to be honest with you, I've never been that dedicated since. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, but for uh, oh, I think it went on for like a couple of weeks before I started to adjust. And so I had been doing a lot of meditating, and uh, and then uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Sammy, he uh, uh, he was uh, he had a car, and so he was driving us around. He was kind of like our tour guide in a way. And uh, he asked us. He said uh, he said there's a there's a Dallas temple where people go get their fortunes told. Uh, they do the the I Ching, and uh, and so he said, do you want to do it? And I said, you know, I didn't know what it was at the time. You know, I was just barely beginning to comprehend Taoism and stuff and I said sure you know it sounds like sounds sounds interesting sounds fun and so we went to this temple and it was a really famous temple I can't remember the name of it but anyway uh we got there and uh it was all open air and there were like kids playing around outside and then you'd walk inside and there'd be people sitting in there you know uh, uh doing different rituals and stuff and uh, so anyway my wife explained to me how you do it and what you did was you you got down on your knees with this cup, kind of like, kind of like pickup sticks, and it had a bunch of sticks in it. And you would, you would think of what you wanted to know about, and then you would shake that uh, yarrow stick cup until three yarrow sticks fell out. Mm-hmm. And then after the three yarrow sticks fell out, then you took them to a monk who uh, was outside the temple. And uh, so anyway, he, uh, uh, we sat down with him, and he looked at the yarrow sticks and. He had all kinds of books and stuff that he referred to. Uh, he did. He did my wife first, and at some point, uh, she just started laughing. They, you know, they were speaking Cantonese, and I, 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 I knew a few Cantonese words, but you know, I didn't know what they were talking about. Right. And uh, I said, "What did he say?" You know, because she was laughing, and uh, she said, "He said I'm pregnant." <laughs> and we both laughed. We both laughed because we knew that she wasn't pregnant. You know, we we, we didn't have any plans on that level, and uh, at that point. And, uh, and anyway, a few days later, we were walking, we were in, I think it was in, it was, it was, it was in August and it's really hot and humid and sweltering in Hong Kong. And so, uh, we were walking and Angie started getting really nauseous and sick. And so we ended up going to one of the doctors and we played skyscrapers in Hong Kong and the doctor takes a blood test. A little bit later, she comes back in with her clipboard and she looks at my wife and she goes, you're pregnant. Oh, wow. No way. <laughs> so that, that really blew my mind. And then I was telling that story just a few months ago because uh, I had forgotten about what he had said about me. And uh, and I was telling that story to some, some friends uh, a few months ago. And Angie said, uh, she said, yeah. And she goes, uh, uh, you know, I was telling them the story about the, uh, uh, you know, the Dallas fortune telling mm-hmm. or the I Ching. Yeah. And, uh, and Angie said, yeah. And she said, that's when he told you you were going to be a teacher. And I remember we laughed at that too because I didn't have a bachelor's degree. I had no plans to be a teacher. I, I never planned on teaching Tai Chi, and uh, so that wasn't even in my mind. And so we had laughed when he said that too. And uh, lo and behold, uh, you know, eventually I became a Tai Chi teacher, and I've taught wow. all over the world now. That's amazing. Oh, this picture that was a really wonderful experience to be in Hong Kong, to be uh, to do the garden thing, and then to go to mm-hmm. a Taoist temple. That, uh, I'm just picturing all this in my head. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think travel is a really profound experience because it takes you, especially international travel, because it takes you so out of your normal realm of understanding mm-hmm. uh, that I think it has an impact on you. It opens your consciousness, kind of like Dallas meditation does. Sure. You know, it's where it kind of unplugs you from everything that you know, uh, and then you're open to things that you ne- wouldn't necessarily have been open to. And then uh, uh, another thing that happened uh, during during that trip was uh, we were uh, me and me and my wife Angie we were sitting uh, at the harbor. We were sitting on a harbor dock waiting for the ferry to come in because we were going to go over to the Kowloon side, which is the main side, the uh, mainland Chinese side of Hong Kong, because uh, Angie's parents lived on Hong Kong Island. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so we were sitting down there at the harbor, and it was a really gray day. And uh, uh, so the sky and the, and the ocean in front of us were virtually the same color. It was a real constant background. And so we're sitting there, and. Uh, all of a sudden, I looked up and uh, at as somebody was walking past us, mm-hmm. and I could see this luminescent, like uh, you know, I hate to use the word aura because it's just you know kind of been cliche, right. but it was kind of like this luminescent aura of lightness around them, and it was especially prominent around their head and especially above their head, and eventually, uh, you know, through my uh, uh, Nagong meditation, uh, you know, I began to understand that the Dantian and the energy centers. Mm-hmm. And there's a, uh, there's a Dantian or an energy center right at the crown of the head called the thousand petaled lotus. And uh, that light was really bright there. Now I didn't know all this terminology at that time. I was just witnessing something that, that I just happened to see. And, uh, and then it was really bright above their head. And there's another, there's another Dantian or energy center about six inches above the head, it's been called many things over the the upper room. You know, there's a lot of names for it in different cultures and different spiritual endeavors. Uh, but anyway, uh, they had this brightness above their head and it was shiny. And when this person walked, it kind of trailed behind, behind her, uh, from, from her head, uh, as she walked. Mm-hmm. And then I looked around and I could see this on everybody that was there on the dock that day. And, uh, and I just sat there, you know, just kind of slack jawed, you know, just looking at this. And I thought, oh, my God. And then I started elbowing Angie. And I said, do you see this? Now, she had been sleeping in her childhood bed, you know, snug as a bug in a rug. She wasn't waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning and, you know, doing, <laughs> doing uh, tight to go on the meditation for three hours every day. And she didn't know what I was talking about. She didn't see it. And I just sat there and watched. And I started to notice something as I, as I watched. I noticed that the business, like some of the businessmen who had their, you know, hands gripped around their briefcase handle, mm-hmm. you know, obviously they were, they were thinking about, you know, the meeting that they were going to have in the skyscraper over on the Calhoun side or whatever. Right. And their, their energy around their head and above their head, it was, it was bright, uh, but it was very constricted and very tight. Mm-hmm. And the people that, and I noticed that the people that were in the moments, whether they were in the moment, enjoying the people that they were chatting with, or whether they were in the moment, you know, just kind of enjoying the scenery. Yeah. Those people had this really big, huge, bright plumes of light energy. And uh, that that experience stuck with me over the years, and it changed the, my whole Tai Chi and Qigong practice. And it also changed the way that I approached my teaching eventually when I became a teacher, because I realized that that, you know, that Chan or that Zen quality that, uh, uh, that Eastern uh, philosophies talk about, of being present and being in the moment, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and just experiencing that moment fully and not having your mind wrapped up around something else that's not real and not there yet. 
because those meetings, those businessmen had, they weren't real. They were something that was just in their mind, right? right. But the people who were in the moment, they were in, they were in the realness of reality. And they had this, you know, it's like it transformed their, this whole energy field uh, within and around them. And so uh, over time, my, my approach to Tai Chi and Qigong and eventually my teaching was really focused on, on uh, uh, it's like I'm, I'm always trying to bring students into their, into their physical sensations, into their, uh, you know, present experience of what they're feeling when they're going through the processes. Uh, because before that, it was like I looked at Tai Chi, tai Chi and Qigong in a very linear mental way, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the way that we were raised to look at things in school, uh, you know, trying to correct, you know, little little details and things like that all the time. So it was always kind of left brain and mental. But my approach over time, it evolved into uh, trying to bring students into just a, uh, a present experience where they're just feeling the sensations of their being. In the moment. And that has a. Has it, exactly, and it has a transformative experience. Now, you know, when you're learning Tai Chi, I mean, there are linear things. You know, you got to learn your posture, and you got to learn your stance, and you got to learn a lot of details. But, but that's, uh, but that's not my biggest focus. My biggest focus is the change in consciousness. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, you know there's a lot of talk in politics about the rising cost of healthcare? Do you believe that mm-hmm. if more people learn Tai Chi, this could be a factor in reducing healthcare cost? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And not just Tai Chi, but all mind-body practices, uh, meditation, yoga, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, 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 if you look at the data, uh, it is it is shocking and it is insane that these things aren't being implemented on a massive scale. Every kid in public education classes should be exposed to mind-body practices. Uh, and, and, you know, that can be a combination of things. It could be Tai Chi, Qigong, meditation, yoga. Uh, but, you know, these mindfulness exercises. And if you look at the actual data, which I have, I've spent many, many years and even decades doing this. Uh, if you look at the data, uh, uh, Her, uh, Dr. Herb Benson, uh, who he was the pioneer in, mm-hmm. in bringing meditation into modern medicine. Uh, he's, a, he was, he's at Harvard. And uh, he wrote a book called The Relaxation Response, which is published all over the world in many languages. Yes. It's like, the, yeah, it's the Bible of mm-hmm. uh, of meditation, med- uh, scientific research. And uh, what he says is, is that between 60 and 90% of all the illnesses sending people to the doctors are best treated by mind-body practices. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, many years ago, I saw a report from a study at Kaiser Permanente. I believe it was a 20-year study. And what they determined was that uh, I think that the study said that uh, about 70% of the illnesses sending people to their doctors were caused by stress. And I called Dr. David Sobel at uh, Kaiser. He was a, a doctor that was uh, very familiar with that study. And I uh, asked him about it. And he said, you know, he said, depending on how you look at the data, he said that number could go as high as 85%. Wow. 85% of the illnesses many people to the doctors were caused by stress. Mm-hmm. When you think about that, we're talking about trillions and trillions of healthcare dollars that could be saved by integrating this stuff into public education, uh, cor- uh, corporate wellness, yes. senior care, uh, you know, modern healthcare, you know, just everywhere where we can get it into public public awareness, but especially public education. Right. And when you know, when you start thinking about trillions of dollars of saving, you know that that has the potential of transforming the whole planet because mm-hmm. it, it, from what I've read, it only, it would only take about $30 billion a year to end world starvation. Wow. 
You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, we, I mean, it's really, really exciting and mind blowing and also frustrating because why aren't we doing this? Mm-hmm. Science is already, you know, we need to, it seems like here we do focus some on exercise, but we tend to focus more on pills and after the disease is already set in and we see yep. chi, I think even those that have heard about chi might think about energy as something a chiropractor or acupuncturist or maybe massage therapist or martial artist deals with. But it almost uh-huh. is like in the West, doesn't it seem like it's almost as believing in a ghost or dragons? It's not It's not given a real property. Um, what's your yeah. concept of chi or ki? How is it? Is it? What is it? How is it? Is it real? Is it not real? How does it work? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I, I, have, I have kind of two thought, uh, uh, realms of thought on it. One is, because uh, sometimes I'll get into arguments with Tai Chi teachers, you know, because we're in contact with Tai Chi teachers all over the world. Mm-hmm. And some Tai Chi teachers just reject it completely. And I think the reason they do is because they're kind of, they're kind of, uh, uh, they've been kind of traumatized by people uh, uh, thinking that it was uh, 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 somehow in competition to their religion. Mm. And uh, and it's not. No. It's not. It's, it's, it's a scientific reality is what it is. We just don't really understand it that well. But anyway, uh, you know, I've gotten into arguments with them, and they go, oh, she's, she's not real, she's not real, and all this kind of stuff. And what I tell them is, is that, you know, the visualization of chi or energy, it has healing benefits on a person, even if it's not real. So, mm-hmm. for example, if you think of, you know, if you have like a really tight spot in your body, and you start, you know, playing with the visualizations of, of allowing that that lightness or that life energy or that chi to expand through that area, what happens is, is that the, uh, the, the capillaries open, uh, there's more blood that gets into the deep tissue, the tissue warms and starts to relax, and that tight spot starts to untangle itself. So it doesn't matter whether, you know, on that level, it doesn't matter whether the chi is real or whether the chi is not real mm-hmm. because it has benefits. So if you if you just kind of grit your teeth and you know stomp your feet and you go cheese not real then you're not going to get benefit from it you know right. what I mean right. so you're cheating you're cheating yourself out of something now having said that uh, uh, I've I've had several experiences in my life that show me that this the chi is absolutely real one of them was that visual experience that I told you about but I've had some really profound uh, uh, ethereal experiences at a few points in my life uh, that uh, changed change the way that I see everything. And um, one of them was uh, I, <clears throat> I, ha- I had a huge transformative experience. And, and over the years, you know, since YouTube's come out, this was what this happened way before YouTube was here. But since YouTube's come out, I've seen many videos of people that have had similar type experiences mm-hmm. and it's not uncommon for these experiences to be preceded by a really catastrophic uh, tragedy in a person's life. Mm-hmm. And I think, and that's what happened. Uh, that's when it happened. Uh, that's when I had that first experience. And, and I, I think the reason that that may be the case is because when you're in a wholesale, when you're, when your life is in a wholesale free fall and collapse, you let go of your grip on what you think life is and what it's supposed to be. And all of a sudden you're open mm-hmm. uh, to something new. And what happened to me was uh, within the, within the uh, period of about a year and a half, uh, uh, my mother died uh, very, very suddenly. Mm-hmm. And then about, and then about six months later, my father passed away. And then about six months after that, my youngest son went into a coma and he was in the hospital for about a month before he 
before he died. Oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, and uh, uh, so what I did, uh, what I did after that happened, I mean, that just it just it just it just rocked my world. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like I really didn't see much point in anything uh, anymore. Now I had been doing patient to go on the medication for a long time before that, but I wasn't interested in any of that uh, at that point. And what I did basically, is I just I just crawled inside a bottle, you know, and just you know. I was just, uh, you know, drinking my way through my life. And uh, at some point, uh, you know, I just realized, you know, that I, it was unsustainable mm-hmm. and I didn't want to go out this way. I still, I, you know, I still had two other children and, and, you know, Angie, my wife and everything. And so one day I just had this epiphany and I just, I just pulled out all the booze that I had and I just poured it down the drain. And, and I remember I threw away my pack of cigarettes and, <laughs> and, uh, and I saw my running shoes in the closet and I pulled them out and they were all dusty. I had, <laughs> I had to use them for years, but I pulled them out and I just put them on and I just started running. Wow. And I just said, we were in Southern California and I'd run down to the ocean and I'd stare at the waves. And, I'd, and, and every moment of my life, I was unplugged. I turned off my television. I didn't listen to the radio. I didn't read newspapers. I didn't read magazines or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just, my whole life was just immersed in, in the natural world as much as possible. And, uh, and so I was doing a lot of meditation, a lot of Tai Chi, a lot of Qigong. I was jogging a lot and, I, and I'd spend hours sitting at the beach, you know, just watching the waves roll in. Sure. And as I was going through that, I went through, you know, all the regrets because you always have a lot of regrets and a lot of shame when you lose people, you know, I wish I would have said this, or I wish I would have done that or whatever, especially when, when, when it's your child, mm-hmm. you, know, you feel very guilty. And, uh, and so I just sat on the beach and I just endured all of that. And, uh, you know, and I wept, and, you know, I mean, it was almost unbearable, but I just, you know, I just, I was, I just, I just decided that I was going to be present. I wasn't going to run away. And because of the three deaths all in a row, they showed me that you can't run away. Right. You know, there's no escape. No. From, from, and uh, so that was a big change. And, and so then what happened one night was uh, I, uh, uh, I got down, uh, I, uh, let's see, the first thing that I did was I, I got down on my knees by my bed uh, and I prayed. And that was something that was kind of childlike, you know, it's like I hadn't done that maybe since I was seven years old. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But I got down on my knees, you know, and I, and I just said, you know, I just said, I need to know why, why I'm here. Why are we here? You know, it's like, I don't, I don't get it. I need to know why we're here. And then after I did that, I got in bed and I just laid in bed and I, and I started meditating and I meditated until I fell asleep. And then mm-hmm. about three o'clock in the morning, uh, all of a sudden I woke, uh, I, you know, I became awake and I was, I wasn't in bed. I was sitting, I was sitting on the end of my bed and I'm sitting on the end of my bed and there's this, there's this energetic presence that's like uh, around me. It's like I can I can feel it. Uh, it's like I knew it's there. It was just as real as if it was a human being sitting in front of me. And this, uh, this energetic presence, it said, uh, it said, I'm about to show you what life could be like. And all of a sudden, you know, whatever this was, it reached out and it touched, it touched me in the center of my brain. And, and, you know, and that's the upper dantian. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time I was thinking about it, I was just experiencing what happened. And this light just expanded through my brain and through my you know, mind. And it was just a beautiful velvet 
radiant uh, thing. Like there's no way that I can even begin to put it in words. And then, and then a moment later, it touched me in the center of my heart, which is the middle dunsian. And that same that same experience happened, and these and this light just started expanding. And at this point, it was like it, uh, there was no there was no me. I was I was this expanding light, and it expanded, and 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 uh, you know the whole room. Uh, it's like I became this light that was filling the whole room. And then all of a sudden, I could see the the ceiling of my uh, bedroom like rushing at me. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the flats in the attic uh, as I was passing through the attic. And then all of a sudden, I was looking down, and I could see the roof of our house and the trees around our house. And then I could see the coastline of California. And then I could see the United States and the ocean. I could see the whole planet. And it was like I could see the moon off to my off to my right. And, and this expansion was huge and fast. And in those moments, so many things happened. Uh, it was like uh, it was like. Did you ever see that movie Contact with Jodie Foster? I think I missed that one. I've seen the previews for it, but I, I didn't actually see the movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. But she has this experience where she experiences like several days of life. But when she comes back, uh, when her craft comes back to Earth, they tell her that she was only gone for like three seconds, right? Wow. Wow. <laughs> but, she, but for her, it was just, you know, it was like time became something else. And that this experience was like that. And so in this expansion, many things happened. And I've, I've written extensively about this. Uh, but uh, uh, many things happened. But one of the things that happened was that, you know, my heart and my, you know, I was completely open, just completely vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And it was like I could feel the experiences of you know, thousands, I don't know, maybe millions of people. And it was like, it was like, I, I could feel their hopes. I could feel their dreams. I could feel their fears. I could feel their regrets. You know, I could feel everything. And it was, it was, it was heartbreaking and beautiful all at the same time. And, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, I got scared. I thought, I thought that maybe I was dying, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and I thought that, and I've talked to many people over the years, you know, when I've done classes and presentations, and I've had people come up and talk to me about experiences that they had that were akin to this, and they had that same fear. And what, and, and since I had that, what I share with people is, is that if it ever happens again, don't be afraid. Yeah. Uh, you'll come back. Uh, it, you know, and so just uh, you know, know that it's okay to have that experience. But anyway, the moment that I had the fear, everything started to collapse backwards. Everything. You know, and it was like a it was just like, uh, you know, and then I just slammed back into my body. It was like some kind of cosmic vault door slamming shut. And the last thing that I was left with was this, uh, this, you know, this voice, uh, uh, the same voice that said, I'm about to show you what life could be like. And that voice said that fear closes all doors. Fear closes all doors. And uh, what, I walked, what I walked away from that experience was that uh, everybody on the planet is all going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are no strangers. No, uh, you know, we're all going through the same things, and I think that that experience uh, kind of planted the seeds for me to eventually uh, uh, be able to found World Tai Chi Qigong Day because I was dealing with different people with different cultures all over the planet, different languages, and when you're using Google Translate, it's really easy to you know say the wrong thing and piss somebody off. And so if I hadn't had that experience, I don't think I would have been able to walk through the process of uh, and people can see more about World Tai Chi Day by going to uh, the website worldtaichiday.org. Is that right? 
Yeah, and they can go on YouTube and put in World Tai Chi Day and find a lot of videos. What would you say to a new listener that's interested in this podcast about Taoism and maybe they've toyed with the idea of doing something like a, a martial art like Tai Chi? What would you say mm-hmm. to the new student or the person that's interested? For me, I just I felt real fortunate that I found that I found a Tai Chi teacher that incorporated Nagong uh, or energy meditation as part of the experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you could pursue, uh, you know, energy meditation and they go on your own as well and incorporate it. But I found uh, that the combination of those two things is, is a really good thing. And then as you read the Tao Te Ching, you keep coming back to it over and over and over again as you evolve your Tai Chi and Qigong experience. Uh, and uh, what you'll find is the Tao Te Ching will uh, appear as different things as you go through those changes. Uh, it's its meaning and its breadth and its depth will expand as you go through the personal experiences of meditation. And uh, one thing that the Taoism uh, uh, has really added to my Tai Chi practice is that I realized over time that uh, the Tai Chi is not uh, the end, the end all and be all. Uh, it's the Tai Chi is not the end all and be all. It's a vehicle to train us on how to let go and relax out of the way. Of, of a flow that flows through us. And there's a great Tai Chi master in New York uh, named William C.C. Chin. And he had a great line. He said, he said, I don't flow energy. He said, energy flows me. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think Tai Chi and, and Qigong as well can give us a vehicle for learning how to relax out of the way. Uh, I always tell students that the goal of Tai Chi and Qigong is to help us to learn how to move effortlessly. And uh, after I, when I first started studying Tai Chi, after I'd studied for a couple of weeks, I stayed after class one night and I told my Tai Chi teacher, I said, man, it's amazing how hard it is to move effortlessly. <laughs> and, uh, and, but that's, uh, but that's what it is. It's this, uh, it's this training uh, process to learn how to relax out of the way mm-hmm. uh, of essentially, you know, the Tao, the flow of the universe. There's this, there's this energetic flow beneath everything and it permeates everything on the planet and everyone on the planet. And well, probably the, I mean, I assume the universe, uh, it permeates everything in the universe. I mean, if we were talking, you know, like in terms of like quantum physics, it's universal, and uh, uh, and it permeates everything, and it and it's benevolent, and it wants nothing but the best for us and everybody else. And yes. so uh, uh, that doesn't mean that it wants Bill Douglas to be rich, because <laughs> then that may not be that may not be good for the people around me. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is. All I know is I need to relax out of the way and you know let let these things unfold through me. And it, it takes a lot of pressure off of you. And then it also helps you discover your source yes. so that you're not fearful in the world. And you know that you don't depend on the approval of the society around you, uh, but rather the approval of this uh, universal radiance that permeates everything, that wants the best for everything. Yes. And by immersing ourselves in that experience over and over and over again, uh, we're undaunted by the world around us more. Uh, we become more courageous to stand up for what's right and what's fair and what's just, whether it's popular or not. Yes. I, I would consider myself not a mystic, but a realist, but yet even uh-huh. so I've had uh, meditation and experiences with that. And just mm-hmm. on a weekly basis, judo is not a martial art that emphasizes chi or ki like Tai Chi mm-hmm. or Aikido or some of the rest do. Mm-hmm. It's a full mm-hmm. contact uh, martial art. And yet mm-hmm. I noticed a long time ago um, I would be, competing against younger people. Uh, I'm 50 now, but I would be competing in my forties against younger people. And I was using muscle force 
and a seventh degree, I believe it was seventh degree, uh, black belt in judo taught me a technique called empty yi, which is where mm -hmm. you just relax and you basically, it's like they're fighting an empty yi. And I got to where even now um, I have health issues and I'm a lot older than my students. They, they have a really hard time throwing me, even new people that come mm -hmm. into the class and want to be Mr. MMA, <laughs> uh, right. they have a terrible time throwing me and they say, well, you must have a lot of strength. And I think of it as I just tell them I've cultivated this MTG technique, but I think that the yeah. basis of it is actually chi, um, uh -huh. internal energy, uh -huh. learning how to relax, learning how to um, breathe properly and learning how to manipulate whatever's there, whether a person considers it mythical or life force or whatever they consider it whatever it is yeah. that's there. So, well, you know, uh, I concur with what you're saying. I, you know, and the thing that I've noticed, you know, over these decades, I've had an opportunity to meet a lot of great masters. And, uh, uh, uh when I first started studying Tai Chi, like I said, uh, you know, I was so amazed with Eastern concepts that I just threw myself into everything that I could find. And, uh, uh we just happened to start studying in this karate, uh, school. And I didn't realize it at the time, uh, but the uh, but the master of that school, uh, uh, Fumio Demura, uh, mm -hmm. he's a legend. Uh, he's a he's a worldwide legend in karate. He's the only guy that had ever won the World Karate Championship twice. And uh, he is uh, there's actually a brilliant YouTube uh, documentary uh, that I encourage all your listeners to go watch on YouTube uh, or maybe Netflix might be might be in Netflix. But anyway, it's called The Real Miyagi. And uh, anyway. Uh, 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 in the uh, Karate Kid movies, you know, all those scenes where uh, uh, Pat Morita, you know, Mr. Miyagi is like doing the karate in the shadows, you know? Yeah. That's not actually, yeah, that's not actually Pat Morita. That's Fumio Demura. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, and Fumio Demura had a huge impact on Pat Morita. And in fact, uh, Pat Morita, he, 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 he's Hawaiian, he's American. He didn't know how to speak with a Japanese, uh, you know, halting accent. <laughs> really? I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, so he just imitated uh, he imitated Fumio Demura. Fumio Demura gave it, that's how he got the voice for Mr. Miyagi. And so anyway, uh, I remember one time uh, we were studying with uh, Fumio Demura, and uh, he told us uh, he said the power of your punch has nothing to do with your physical strength, size, prowess, or any of the things that people normally attach power to. Mm -hmm. He said the power of your punch, and he made a fist, you know, by his hip, uh, you know, where the punch starts. Yeah. And he said the power of your punch uh, is completely determined by how relaxed you are between here, and then he extended his arm out, you know, to the completion of the punch, and here. Wow. He said how relaxed you are between here and here, that is what determines the power of your punch. And that just fits so completely with Taoism yes. and with my Tai Chi. Mm -hmm. And so that really stuck with me over the years. And yeah, it's like we relax out of the way of, of, a, of a, uh, a force that's much larger than us. And in order to do that, we have to let go of the ego. Yes. Because as long as, we, as long as we think of ourselves as me or I, it's kind of like with quantum physics. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, there's the debate about, you know, is it a particle or is it a wave? Well, uh, when, when we think in terms of I and me mm -hmm. uh, and mine, uh, that's the particle. But when we let go, we become the wave, and the wave permeates the whole universe. And so uh, in my Tai Chi classes, a lot of times students will start talking about really weird experiences they had. Like I had some one lady, and she, uh, she was working in her closet, and uh, she'd been doing Tai Chi for probably about three months, I think. And she'd been working in her closet. 
and a, a vase, uh, something she took, moved something and it made a vase fall off the top shelf. Mm-hmm. And uh, all, and then all of a sudden she looked down and that vase was in her hands and she was like, wow. And uh, and I haven't, uh, I had an experience that I share with my uh, students and I was in a convenience store and uh, uh, the, the kid at the counter was pouring my change into my uh, hand and uh, he poured, uh, as he was pouring the change in my hand, a dime that he dropped in my hand kind of bounced off the heel in my hand and hit the counter and then bounced off the counter and fell towards the floor. <laughs> and uh, he still had a couple of coins to pour in my hand. So I, uh, I let him, you know, pour those coins in my hand. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden my hand just swept in and I caught that dime about six inches before it hit the floor. Wow. And that, and that kid at the convenience store, he goes, wow. And I looked down <laughs> at my hand and I, I looked down at my hand and I went, wow. <laughs> because, and I tell my students, you know, this isn't something that you can show off for people because then your brain gets in the way, your ego gets uh-huh. in the way. Exactly. You know, it's only something that just comes through you spontaneously. And so that's where the practice comes in of letting go, letting go, letting go, letting go of me, letting go of I, becoming the flow, you know, allowing the flow or the Tao or however my phrase flows through you, the natural wave of the universe. And by relaxing out of the way, we find that we're able to do things that we never would have been able to do, you know, if we would have been thinking, I'm going to do this. You know what I mean? Yes. Now, this is probably a good point for the question of today, um, because I know Tai Chi is very dear to you, and I'm sure you're the right person to ask this question. Time for the question of today. Bruce from Vancouver Island in British Columbia, Canada writes, as a Tai Chi student for a few years, I'm very interested in the practice as a gateway or portal into spirituality. I'm wondering if you have any instruction or description about how Tai Chi is relevant to spirituality. Well, that's a great question. I think Tai Chi can be, not necessarily. It depends on, you know, how we approach Tai Chi and what we want to get out of it. You know, I think Tai Chi at its highest level is relaxing out of the way, uh, you know, Lao Tzu said, let, let go, I can't remember the exact line, but it was like, let go of the grip on, on who you are so that you can become what you might be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, essentially become an evolutionary creature, uh, you know, who opens and expands physically, emotionally, consciously. Uh, on a consciousness level. Yes. And so th- this concept of Tai Chi teach, becoming a vehicle that teaches how to relax out of the way uh, so that the flow can flow through us uh, that is larger than we can contain or own or claim or any of that kind of stuff, uh, that can become a great vehicle uh, for, uh, uh, you know, spiritual expansion. And uh, uh, now that, uh, that one experience that I was telling you about, about after I had that great loss in my life, uh, it, 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 it's complicated to say that uh, happened because of Tai Chi or because of Qigong. But what I do absolutely believe is, is that I, I do believe that my Tai Chi and Qigong practice prepared me so that I was able to behold uh, an experience that was larger than I could ever have been open to before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Yeah, so, so I think it kind of prepares us for, for these spontaneous events, if and when they happen to us, uh, and to be able to have some kind of context for what happened. Uh, uh, and so, uh, so I, so, and, and, you know, and the other thing, too, is, I, you know, I always tell people, you know, I don't care whether you're a Buddhist or a Hindu or a Muslim or an atheist or, you know, a Lutheran or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, 
uh, Tai Chi is a is a vehicle to enhance uh, your spiritual experiences, or you know, in the case of an atheist or an agnostic, you know, just your life experiences. So it, it so it has no it has no attachment to anything. Uh, that's the whole concept of Taoism. Uh, you know, Tao, uh, the Tao is not is not the word Tao. You know, I mean, Lao Tzu says emphasizes that over and over again. You know, the Tao that can be named is not the true Tao. Right. Uh, it's something universal and flows through all of us. And I think Tai Chi helps us relax out of the way, uh, so that we can open to that greater being that we are. Uh, you know, however we perceive that, however it flows through us. In addition, it helps cultivate the other parts, the mind-body connection, as well as the spirituality. It sounds like you're open to, you're in the moment, you're able to do the moves in such a kind of woo-wee way. And at the same mm -hmm. time, you're developing your health, your body, your breathing. You're working on all aspects of yourself, spiritual, mental, and physical, it sounds like. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. And it's very, you know, in, in our modern rush world where people have less and less time to do everything, uh, you know, it's a highly efficient thing to do because you're, you know, like you say, you're getting a mental, you know, uh, Tai Chi and Qigong or, you know, the science shows that it reduces depression, anxiety, mood disturbance, treats attention deficit disorder and hyperactivity disorder. Uh, and yes. at the same time, it profound, you know, the science shows that it profoundly boosts the immune system by 50 to 100 uh, percent. It slows the aging process. It, uh, it, 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 it uh, really, really profoundly improves the cardiovascular benefit. Time Magazine just did an article last year that said uh, that in the title, it said Tai Chi provides the same benefits as CrossFit training. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 And if people sign up for our newsletters at worldtaichiday.org, we always, we always publish these, these kind of reports when they come out. So you stay up to date on things like that. In answer to Bruce's question, you said it, it kind of opens the door for the spiritual. So it is kind of a gateway. And you've talked about students and yourself having experiences, uh, spiritual experiences. So it sounds like it, it creates an awareness as well of the spiritual. Yeah, uh, that mindfulness, uh, you know, that being aware of mm -hmm. your sensory experience. And, uh, you know, and also, you know, Tai Chi can, cavolt, uh, uh, can cultivate a larger awareness of our energetic nature, you know, especially if you combine it with Megong meditation. Uh, but, uh, but, I, but, I mean, people can experience that with, you know, uh, Qigong and Tai Chi as well, you know, without the Megong. But I just, you know, for me, I just, you know, might as well do the Megong energy work as well because it's all about being present and just experiencing sensations of your being. And as you practice those tools on a regular basis, you get to where you just feel that energetic nature in every part of your being. And you realize that you're not a solid uh, structure, uh, mm -hmm. that you're, you're a nebulous structure, and that opens your heart, opens your emotions, opens your mind. And what, uh, one thing that's really interesting is, is that the, uh, modern scientists found that when people practice Tai Chi, uh, it, it makes the brain larger and increases the size of the hippocampus. And, uh, but the, uh, another really exciting uh, thing that they found is, is that uh, uh, mind-body meditative type experiences increase the size of the empathy and compassion part of the brain, and they shrink the stress and fear part of the brain. They physically you know, enlarge mm -hmm. empathy and compassion part of the brain and actually physically shrink the stress and fear part of the brain. And so... As the fear is removed and we're more open, uh, you know, just just open, 
you know, because uh, in Tai Chi, we have, you know, the main focus is the three Dantian, the lower Dantian, where you move from. That's where all your, you know, key, your chi, your power comes from, mm-hmm. you know, from that, you know, that core in the, in the upper pelvis. Uh, but then also the heart, the middle Dantian, and then the brain, the upper Dantian. And so by constantly relaxing, you know, just experiencing the sensations of our energetic nature and our flow, uh, it loosens and opens, uh, you know, our heart and mind and consciousness to larger experiences uh, becoming possible. I think these kind of experiences are waiting to uh, expand through all of us all the time. Uh, it's just waiting for us to kind of set the stage so that there's space for that lightness, that life energy or that change or that evolution or whatever it is that wants to expand through us. I think we all have, uh, I think there's a reason why all of us are here on the planet at this yes. moment. Yeah. And these uh, and are tools that can help us relax out of the way so that as Lao said, uh, we can become what we might be. Yes. Yes. Um, you have, your books are available on uh, Amazon, aren't they, Bill? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Complete Guide to Tai Chi and Qigong and the Tao of Tai Chi, The Making of a New Science. And then also my DVD, uh, Anthology of Tai Chi and Qigong, The Prescription for the Future. And also uh, my, I have a CD of Nagong Meditations called uh, an, an, an an anthology of Qigong. And anyone listening in the area, you teach Tai Chi classes in uh, Kansas, in, is it Leewood? Yeah, uh, uh, we teach through the city of Leewood on Thursday evenings, and we teach through the city of Shawnee on Saturday mornings. And uh, that's a gorgeous location. It's ceiling the floor windows on three walls overlooking a wooded pond. I was going to construct a Tai Chi studio. I couldn't have done a better job. It's really gorgeous. And uh, uh, and then we also, uh, there's also a place called Turning Point, which is part of the University of Kansas Hospital uh, uh, Network. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have classes for people that are dealing with chronic health issues. So if anybody's suffering from a chronic health issue, uh, they can apply and get access to those uh, Turning Point classes. But our public classes are uh, uh, through the city of Leewood and the city of Shawnee. Okay, great, great. And also, everybody should come to World Tai Chi Day at the Nelson Atkins Museum. Uh, if they, if they, if if you have a link to that video or, or you show some some of that video on your on your website or Facebook page or whatever, uh, if they see that video that I had sent you earlier, uh, that's where this whole world event started, and it's in hundreds of cities and 80 countries all over the world on the last Saturday of April, and uh, it all started at the Nelson Atkins Museum 20 years ago. This is our 20th anniversary, and so if they come on the last Saturday of April, which is April 27th in, this year in 2019. Uh, they can come at 9.30 a.m. in the morning. We'll teach everybody, uh, you know, a couple of Tai Chi moves, and they can be part of this worldwide wave that starts in New Zealand and then spreads all across Asia, all across Africa and uh, Europe, North America and South America, and then ends with the final event in Hawaii. I'll put that in the show notes, the link to the YouTube video for World Tai Chi Day. And those of you, if you have or in Kansas City at the end of April. That's Nelson Atkins Art Museum. Yep, April 27th. Saturday. April 27th. Yeah. Bill, uh, it's been a absolute pleasure and joy to have you on the show today. Uh, thank you. I, I want to connect with you outside the show, too. Um, that'd be awesome. It's It's been really great meeting you. Uh, like I said, I was really excited when I heard about the work you were doing, you know, ex, uh, ex, expanding, uh, you know, the uh, Dallas uh concepts uh, uh you know through the, you know through your programs thank you so much thank you to bruce for the question of today 
And thank you to Bill Douglas for taking his time to do a interview with us here on the show. It was very educational and interesting. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you, Chris. Now, before I let you go, I have a few messages. Don't forget to subscribe to my show in your podcast player app or to the RSS feed. You can find my email address, contact information, a disclaimer, and more information in the show notes, so please check those out. Be sure and purchase my book, Accepting Life on Life's Terms, Taoist Psychology for Today's Uncertain Times. Look for the book wherever you buy books. Available in written and digital format. Hey, that's all for today's show. I'll see you next week. Have a good week. May peace and love be with you. Thank you for listening. Bye. is a Code CMC production.